in one of your latest posts, you talked about carrying guilt. You talked about guys carrying guilt in the ways that can keep you stuck. Can you, I guess, summarize that post and maybe educate us on how that's happening to guys and what it can do to them? Sure. Yeah, guilt, guilt and shame are two really, um, they're, they're terrible things to carry. Um, and they weren't intended for us to carry, at least in the, uh, that book you were just finished. You said, um, the shame that binds you. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Rising Father podcast. I'm Chris Rodek. Very excited to have James McClown. He's a coach and a consultant, and we've been able to connect over the past months. He hopped on a call with my group and inspired people. Check out his Instagram. He's inspiring lots of guys. Welcome, James. Thank you for having me, Chris. Wonderful to be here. You bet. Well, we were just talking before the recording started just about fatherhood and our families, and you were telling me you had a four-month-old, and I already forget. How, was, how old was the other one? Our firstborn will be three in November, three. so just okay. past the two and a half year mark. And then I have a nine-year-old and seven-year-old, and you were just about to ask me for what? Yeah, so, some wisdom. What What would you tell your younger self? I guess for you, that would be about six years ago now. Yes. Um, well, you're doing a lot of things I would have told myself to do, which is keeping yourself in great shape and having a positive mindset and having a great attitude. Just taking care of yourself. I would have said, do a better job of that. Because I, I kind of let the stresses of life hold me down a little bit. I was in a job, you know, I was in a job I didn't like, um, and I was just down on myself. So I let myself kind of go a little bit. But so that was the is it the, would be the biggest thing. But in terms of like parenting and all that kind of stuff, I would just say, you know, it's insane, it's crazy, it's chaotic right now. But like you've got to soak in every one of those chaotic, insane, crazy moments. Because right yeah. now my son's nine years old. He's turning into a middle schooler. I remember when he was the age of your kids thinking like, man, that time is so far off, but I know it's going to come fast. But so I have to enjoy this moment right now. I can't, I can't imagine what he's going to be like at nine. He's going to be 10 years old in, in a couple months. Like just thinking about that when your kids are your age, like yeah. your kid's age is just crazy. Yeah. Um, it yeah, it's something I've been thinking about recently the past couple of days, you know, constantly reminding myself this is but for a season, this too shall pass. You know, mm -hmm. the, I've I've been I've heard from a couple of different sources put well that, you know, there is a bunch of different ways you can go about parenting. But one thing you can't bypass, you can't circumvent is the energy output that requires, you know, that is required in especially those early years. It just it requires a ton of energy, which is why we're. You know, that's why you have kids when you're younger because you you got more energy. Yeah. So, that's great insight. And I have uh, I've been imagining what it will be like for my kids or or your kids' age, and it's it's pretty wild. It's pretty wild to think about. It's wild. And then the same thing. I I talk to guys who have kids who are 18 and their 20s, and they have a whole another relationship. And right. I, I think I introduced you to Brandon. I might have introduced you to Brandon Archer. A guy I had on the podcast before. He's a men's coach, but he his kids are I think eighteen, and he did an initiation with them, and that's a whole another level, a whole another phase that your kids go to, and you know you like imagine for me like I'm imagining the phases that they're going to be in, and then appreciating the phases they're in now, and just trying to be really intentional about okay, I got to make sure I'm not wasting any of this time. Yeah, 
Yeah, a really a really good book that I would recommend, especially for someone for you with kids your age, is The Intentional Father by mm. John Tyson. It is, and for anybody listening to this, if you had kids, it's specifically geared towards sons. So while some of it can be transferable, um, this author is specifically talking about um, raising his son and doing it with a great intention. And like you said, his has already now grown. He just got engaged like a week or two ago. So he he's able to pass on that wisdom. Incredibly, for me, at least in my perspective, powerful book. Now, I'm a little bit early to reading it, but I don't think you can be too prepared <laughs> for mm-hmm. what's to come. So that would be a really, really great book for you and anybody in your audience. Great. We'll definitely read that. The Intentional Father. That's my kind of book. I've started reading, rereading a couple other books. I just started rereading this morning, Discipline is Destiny by Ryan Holiday. Just yeah. finished up The um, uh, Shame That Binds You, finished up that one, and then reread Psycho-Cybernetics and some, um, a short one. It'll come to me in a second, but I literally read it last week. Um, but anyway, like in terms of the ages your kids are at, the ages my kids are at, what's something that is happening right now with your kids at their age that you're like, I mean, I really want to hold on to this. Like, I know this is going to pass and I really want to remember these kind of moments. Yeah. The biggest one. So I have two sons. Uh, Maverick mm-hmm. is my firstborn and mission is our second born. So Maverick is, oh, he'll be three in November and he's in this stage right now where I mean, he, he just wants to be with me. He just wants to hang out. Anything I do with tools or anything I'm working around the house, he's just, mm-hmm. Daddy, can I help? Daddy, can I can I come too? Um, I just I just walked in the house and just came out. And he he came out, popped out of his room and said, Dad, are you done? And like just the, the excitement, um, the innocence, the open trust there, it, how eager he is to to come in. I mean, he's, he's asking me to make him breakfast and play with him five minutes after his head has left the pillow. It's it's amazing. And uh, so soaking in those moments of, you know, that wonderment um, for me and when it in regard to him is so powerful because I know that there will be times in his life where he'll have other great friends and other relationships yeah. where at least for seasons, you know, prayerfully, they'll be, we'll, we'll be close our entire life, but mm-hmm. where he'll be closer to other people and we'll be able to relate to other people and have other mm-hmm. people relate to him more yeah. than I can. And so this season that I have with him is with both of them, but mission right now is he only wants mama. But with mm-hmm. this season I have, I, I recognize the significance of it. And every day, Chris, is just so deeply, it feels mm-hmm. so slow in the best of ways. Um, but yeah. that like calling out to me is I just, I really feel the, um, just the, the, the joy and the treasure of that. That's such a great, this is, this is a great talk because your kids are, I remember thinking the things you were think, thinking right now as your kids are your age but and then my kids right now going through those things like nathan yeah. has his best friend you know he would he would do anything for him they're just every single day he loves to play he loves to he, he doesn't have a phone or anything but he has we, we gave him a nintendo switch so he can like play Fortnite with this kid and sure. he talks about this kid all the time we're like oh we're going on vacation he's like oh is can this kid come we're like oh we're going to blank oh can he come and we go camping as a, as a family, our family and their family goes camping and, you know, they, they run off together and play and I hang out with the parents. And then I also make sure that I spend time with my son, but I remember whenever my son was, you know, one to five, 
six going on the same campground. It was just us. And like all he wanted to do the entire time was just, we could just roll a ball up and down the street or just kick a ball up into the hill and have it roll back to us. Like that was the most amazing thing we could do together. I was fine doing that. I love doing that. But like I was the only thing in his world, the only thing he wanted. Um, And I remember thinking, I, this is going to change. You know, I'm going to come here where he's going to bring friends and he's going to run off with his friends and play with them. And I'll be hanging around at the campfire like an old guy. And that time is now. Like that time is now. But I still make sure that I, you know, they run off at night. I'll run off and scare them and play tag. And any time they say, Dad, can you come play with me? I'm always like, yes, yes. Because if I say no, then that's, then that's, it's my decision. You know, then it's my decision that I want to make the cut. I'm not going to be the one to make that decision. That's right. That's right. And you never know when that, you know, that time comes where the, hey, dad, can you come play with us? Can you come chase us around the fire when that will be the last time that you get asked to, you know, to do that specific activity, right? Not that you're not going to be asked to be involved in this life, but um, those, those precious seasons, I mean, just as you eloquently put it, I'm, I'm excited for what it looks like and for the responsibility honestly chris to be a dad in today's world it is a, it's a, such a privilege and it's a it is a real responsibility in, in light of everything that's going on in in the world with technology and um you know the things that are going on with children around the world in a very dark and negative way it, it has you know been on my heart a lot recently of uh, just the role that you know guys like you and i get to play um, not only in our family but in our communities what kind of dark things? What are you What are you referencing? Like the, what's going on with like human trafficking and, and um, oh. things of these. I don't know if you saw the Sound of Freedom, but uh, the the, the mm. real calamities and the travesties of the world um, that are taking place with with kids. Um, not that you know we need to go into that on today's episode, but um, nonetheless, it's it's important to know and to be aware of in in our day and age. And so, um, yeah, just been doing a lot of reading, understanding. Um, different groups and organizations who are working to combat that and then how is a parent to be most uh, equipped to um, you know to go about with discernment and wisdom in today's world and to raise free um, whole uh, joy-filled kids that's what Mm -hmm. that's what you know I feel called to do yeah we can talk about anything doesn't matter Um, but it's it is all my wife um, likes to bring that these stats up all the time because she's very paranoid about it. Because for what I think around where we are, um, from what she tells me, these human traffickers try to find the mothers who the husband is not around and try to separate the kids and like target or something like that. And we have a target right by our house. And there's been multiple instances of kids gone missing and stolen from the target by our house. And are you serious? Yeah. And it'll be someone who... A lot of time, most of the time, it's it's a lady who looks innocent and will start talking to the kid. And the kid trusts her partly because it's a lady. And then they will coax the kid away. And then the mom just can't find it. So for me, I remember um, being in that same target. And I before I knew this was a massive problem, you know, my, my kid would see the toy aisle. And be like, can I go see the toys? I'd be like, yeah, sure, go ahead. He would just run down the toy aisle and look at the toys, and I'd be the aisle right next to him. And then when I started finding out about this, I was like, no, that's never happening again. I mean, now he's, he's 90 pounds. He could 
he could legitimately kill a grown man with his jujitsu skills and strength. That's right. He can choke me out in two seconds, break my arm. So I'm not as worried about him, but like my daughter is 60 pounds, cute as hell. And, you know, it's, it's amazing. If I was in the law enforcement, police industry, all that kind of stuff, I would know all the stuff and be much more aware. But as I find out about these stats, I'm always incredibly shocked. Oh, yeah. It's hard to stomach. It really is hard to stomach. And it's hard to imagine that there are people that are in that dark of a place that, yeah. you know, would be willing to do that. Um, these aren't things, like I said, that I, I particularly want to know. I don't like knowing these things. And if you haven't seen the movie Sound of Freedom, it's um, not an easy movie to see, but it is 100%, I would say, for anyone uh, to see. It is so, um, it's so powerful and so needed. But, you know, you and I as parents, we don't, we don't have, we need to know, like we need to know what really is going on out there and how the tactics are um, being used to separate kids from parents. And it's just, it's terrible. And I, my wife, you know, she, I'm much more um, careful with the information I share with her, um, Mm. obvious reasons. Um, But the the overall theme is like, there's just real stuff that's going on. It's not, and, and like, I can't even believe that you, there's people that are at your target that this has happened to like that. That to me is just, it makes me sick. Um, so it, with the responsibility of being a dad, there is that, uh, also responsibility of not being ignorant and not just having your head in the sand saying, well, I don't want to know about this stuff. Cause it yeah. is really hard to hear. It is really hard to, to, to stomach, the the reality of what takes place however we we don't have the luxury it's you're you're not going to want to know about it after a fact you're going to want to know before so that you can be preventative so yeah um, this stuff actually happens like like you said you can bury your head in the sand and ignore it but if you were in if you just talk to someone who's involved in this you would be amazed and shocked at how often it happens another story for my wife um she loves telling me these stories right before I go to sleep. Um, one of one of her one of her friends, like one of her friends that she works with, was at a stoplight, and like in Pittsburgh at a stoplight, right in front of an exit of a highway, or it was it was either at a stoplight or I think maybe traffic slowed to a stop. I, mean, I think that's what it was. Someone ran out of their car, grabbed her door handle, started pulling on it to try to get into her car and grab her out and, t- and make her a human trafficker. And then she reported it to the cops. They caught this guy and he said that's what he was doing. And what they do is right, they do this on the highway right before the exit. So like if you have an intersection, like right before the exit goes, they do this if traffic slows to a stop. They, they right. literally will run up to a car, open the door, grab someone, throw them in her car, go on the exit. So you go the other way and they can't get you. Happened to a lady like two, one step removed from me that my wife talks to every single day. Oh my gosh. And if she didn't have her door locked, like she was, I don't think she was there with her husband or anyone. If her door wasn't locked, she, they could have grabbed her. Oh my gosh. Hey, Chris, I hate to do this. My wife just got pulled over and oh. she needs uh, information from me real quick. Tag, tags are expired. So that was all that was. And- so just a warning, no... Uh- well, he got he gave, he gave a gave a ticket because it was two two months late. Um, that's part of the, the whole four months new baby fog that I'm in right now, and the, the list of things I have to do. 
Um, but he said once you go in and get a new tag, just show him the ticket and they'll like reduce it to like twenty five bucks. So it's he was really oh, there you go. Gracious, gracious to her. So uh, crisis averted. We're good. That's good. that's that's awesome. So yeah, there we go. The universe is giving us some resistance to battle through, which is good. No, nope. yeah, no kidding. That, that that's that's a sign that this is going to be some good stuff, and that people need to hear it, and that this um, this connection between you and I is, is something <laughs> we're doing. I would say. I know. I love it. We're good. That's that's crazy. So she had both kids and the mother-in-law. And her mother, yeah, my mother-in-law. Yeah, oh, and your mother-in-law. Okay, that's yeah. I I got a funny story about that actually. My I was driving back to my house with my wife and two kids in my back in the back of the seat of my truck. And I don't know, I think I rolled through a stop sign or something. So this is probably four years ago. My son was five. Cop pulls us over about 500 feet from my house, which is great because all my neighbors are watching. <laughs> he, he comes up and he's talking to me about whatever. And he lets me go with a warning for whatever I did, don't even remember. And my, this is the first time ever my kids have been in the car and we've been pulled over. Uh -huh. So they're freaking out in the back. My wife is freaking out. I, I'm laughing because I just think it's funny because our neighbors are watching. I was like, I didn't really do it. I didn't do any bad. Like I just rolled through stop sign. I didn't really care that much. So I was relaxed and laughing. Everyone else was freaking out. And he gives us a warning. We go, I look in the back seat. My son, Nathan, has a sock with two golf balls in it. And... <laughs> I was like, Nathan, I said, Nathan, what are you going to do with that? He said, Dad, if he was going to arrest you, I was going to smash him with this sock. Yes. <laughs> Nathan. Like, that is I wrote it down immediately after we did it. I was like, that, I was like, that is amazing. <laughs> Don't that, do that, but that's hilarious. You have, you have born and raised a fighter and one who will not let Dad go without a fight. I, that is amazing. I love that story. We put golf, and so we had the wherewithal to get a sock, and while the officer was talking, put to put golf balls in there uh, to hit him. Yeah, sorry, you froze for a second. Um, yeah, no, he was, and I, he said I was going to defend you, Dad. I said, okay, man, that's that's amazing. That, yeah. yeah, sweet words right there. Yeah, I loved it, and so I wrote that down, and I, I'll, I'll always remember that that he was going to try to beat the crap out of a cop with a with a sock and golf balls for me that'll <laughs> <laughs> be one of those wedding stories or something like that right oh yeah no i definitely I, and i started one thing that i am really happy i did actually maybe this could be some more advice you might already do this was when my kids were i don't know one two years old anytime they did something that was hilarious or funny just a simple little thing that they said i just wrote it down on my phone in a journal it's just called funny I just wrote, it's, just, it's like a notepad, this is funny. And I'll say, put the date, and I'll say, Lauren said, like, this was a situation, Lauren said this. This was a situation, Nathan said this. And now that they're older, they're like, Dad, can we look at those funny notes again? They love oh, looking back at these messages and these stories I have about them. And because I could, otherwise I would completely forget about them. Like little details of stuff that Lauren said, Nathan said, words, patterns, and phrases they used to say that they don't say anymore would completely be gone from my memory had I not wrote them down. And I don't do it as much now, which I need to continue to do. Because when they're 18, I'm going to want to remember what they're like at nine years old. So, That's right. But from the ages of zero through seven, I've got tons of these little stories and messages and notes and stuff of whenever they're younger. 
It's oh, something so I would good. encourage everyone to do. That's so good. Yeah, I've done that. I've done that sporadically, but that's a really great reminder, especially with this season that Maverick is in. That the sentences he is putting together, he's just figuring out humor. So like he, mm-hmm. you know, you can only understand humor if you know what normal is and what, you know, the standard is. And so he's starting to play around with humor and it just the, the, the words he puts together that don't go together, and that's why he put them together. And he thinks it's funny. Is just it's great. So that's a really great reminder. I'm going to start doing that. Yeah, there and there's. I know there's a lot of things that some people do. Maybe there's intentional fatherhood book will have some stuff like that. But there's like little things that certain fathers do that you can just latch on to and say, "Hey, that's yeah. a great thing." I was talking to uh, Tired Dad. He's got a brand called Tired Dad, real big dad brand. Yeah, yeah, I know. He yeah, was, I know. he was telling me um, that someone gave him some advice. He said one thing I did that really changed my parenting was anytime my kid walks into the room, like anytime you first see your kids. You just smile when you see them immediately. Like as soon as they see you, just make sure you have a smile on your face. So yeah, that's another great piece of advice that any father can do immediately. Like even yeah. if you're stressed out, even if you're pissed off, just make sure that, hey, you got a warm smile to greet your kid. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Um, so I'm going to dig a little, get kind of flip switches a little bit here and talk about some, some of the men's work stuff you're doing and coaching and yeah some topics and things that can strategies that can really help guys and we do, our last we had a podcast before everyone but we had some technical glitches which it's off in space and we decided to redo it yeah um so we dug deep into things that are holding guys back addictions problems traumas men have how they can overcome and i think that is some really really important stuff the things that can actually help men and whenever you were on our rising fathers call like we dug into that and that was a really beneficial call for all the guys who were listening. So one of the things I wrote it down here that I wanted to talk to you is about in one of your latest posts, you talked about carrying guilt, talked about guys carrying guilt and the ways that can keep you stuck. Can you, I guess, summarize that post and maybe educate us on how that's happening to guys and what it can do to them? Sure. Yeah. Guilt, guilt and shame are two really, um, they're, they're, terrible things to carry. Um, and they weren't intended for us to carry, at least in the, uh, that book you were just finished. You said, um, the shame that binds you. Is that, that's the title of the book, right? Healing so, the shame that binds you. Yeah. Healing the shame that binds you. Yeah. So it talks about in that book, toxic shame, and then there's a form of, of healthy shame. So when it comes to guilt, what I've found is that there's a lot of, there's a lot of men who are so quick to forgive other people, um, especially people in their family who they, who they care about but they carry a residual guilt inside themselves um, and they really don't have the capacity and they don't extend forgiveness to themselves as quickly as they forgive it to others, as they extend it to other people. And this becomes really problematic because guilt, um, the belief of guilt is I did something wrong. And when that's held long enough and is, you know, crystallized around a certain and enough uh, circumstances, what that guilt can turn into is shame, which says, I am not good. Intrinsically, I am, I am a screw up. So it goes from saying, hey, I messed up. I was, you know, angry with you. I said something wrong to I am just a, a massive screw up. That internalized guilt turns into shame. And that, that shame is, you know, it, it, it goes totally in. It completely um, destroys the inner world of a man. And... Um, so that guilt 
I mean, the guilt, the guilt is just a slow cancer. It really is. Um, and especially when it comes to the pressures that being a dad, you know, brings along with it, providing for a family, protecting a family, having their real intention around how you're going to raise your kids, the values, the morals, the traditions. If you do those, what you're going to instill, there can be a lot of guilt. And even in my early years of being a parent, there's the temptation to carry and pick up a lot of guilt when it comes to how am I raising? Am I spending too much time? Am I spending too little time? Am I doing this right? Am I doing that right? And I haven't found guilt to be a very profitable thing, certainly when it comes to us getting back into like the identity that I believe God created us to, to live in, which is to be an overcomer, which is to be victorious. We are already victorious. We're not fighting to victory. We're, we're fighting from victory. And those are two different vantage points. And when you're when you're under the belief and the constant scrutiny of guilt that you more or less are putting on yourself, you can't function from a place of being victorious and truly empowered. And then everything comes becomes that much more hard and challenging. So from, from that post, that's really what I was, what I was getting at. It's, it's really releasing yourself. Um, I punished myself for a long time and you and I talked about this last, uh, our last recording when it came to my workouts, mm. I would push myself so hard in the gym, so hard. And I would work out with groups sometimes and I would just, I would just leave myself on the floor, not to the point of throwing up, but pretty close, you know, just, oh my gosh, here we go. And after doing a lot of work, I recognized that actually that level of intensity came from a underlying sense of guilt that I was still punishing myself for past experiences or past mistakes that I made. And that pain I felt in some way, shape, or form, I deserved that. That was due to me. And so I was I was inflicting it. So I wasn't working out to, to feel good necessarily only. I was working out and pushing myself that hard because I felt I deserved that pain. And man, as I've talked to guys, they they can raise their hand and attest to that and say, yeah, that's pretty relatable. And it might not take the form of working out, but um, where that guilt shows up in a different form, where that self-loathing, self-destructive pattern can um, reinforce that belief that I am a guilty person. Where does the guilt come from? What are some things guys that you've worked with have done that have caused that guilt? The, I mean, the, the short answer is hurting people who are close to them. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of it stems around either uh, sexual problems and or substance problems, whether that be drugs or alcohol. Mm -hmm. Those are the three, the three biggest, um, whether it be infidelity or if they're not married, um, still like cheating, being unfaithful in a relationship, um, whether it be physically or uh, just by going to, you know, pornography and, and going towards other women and being unfaithful in that relationship, um, whether it be doing drugs and, and there's a secretiveness. See, there's a secretiveness when we do things that we know we're not supposed to do. We inherently pull back and we hide. Mm -hmm. And so those would be the three main things that the, the guys that I'm coaching with. Um, and I would say that the fourth would be anger. Um, mm. The pressure, the disappointment, the resentment that has brewed and, and creates a, a, a lot of anger um, coming out at those closest to them, that they carry guilt about the pain that they've caused because of their uh, uh, inability to control that rage. And so those would be the four things that are most common that I'm seeing right now. So you're a, so say you're a guy who has cheated on his wife. How does that affect his daily behavior? 
Well, let me ask you, does his wife know? Has he repented yet? Has he made amends or no? No. So say before he works with you or you're talking about guys who keep these things in. Yeah. So what happens there is, is it, it's, a, it's really a fracturing of the mind and it's a stepping into what I call duality where you, you cognitively know you just did something terrible and humans do this. We, we don't want to acknowledge something, so we repress it. We just push it down. Um, but like anything we've all experienced, usually enough life to understand that that which is hidden always comes into the light. Always. It will always, you know, the truth will always find you out. And so this, this really like chasm gets made in, in the man. And so he starts now pretending and this whole fake facade is built. It's this archetype, this structure of a man. And all the while this pain, this anger, this fear, this shame is just like shoved into a closet. And the picture that I paint to guys initially is it's, you know, imagine you're at a swimming pool and you have this big beach ball and you, you shove the beach ball under the water. That's what you do when you do something that you know is against your your morals, against your values, that has conflicted with a, a relationship or some you know your ecosystem, and you're unwilling to address it. What we do is we just take that beach ball and shove it under the water. Well, the harder you push that beach ball under the water, the more pressure is pushed up. And so all of you know what I find, Chris, with a lot of these men is once there's one issue they'll usually try and code it with another. So it's a sexual issue at first, and then that begins to get coded with alcohol or drugs mm. to, to try and numb and to just push it and to create that much more of a separation. And so the harder you push it down, the harder it wants to come back up. Mm-hmm. And so that will, you know, men who generally struggle with this are incredibly irritable because mm. they're so sensitive to, um, to the world around them because they have so much guilt and shame right behind the door and they're putting on a smiley face and they're saying, no, everything's fine. Everything's fine. But behind it is a great amount of fear, a great amount of pain and they, and a great amount of shame right behind the front door. And they're just smiling and saying, no, everything's good inside. Everything's good. And you crack that door. And, and so one of the things I do with one of the most important things to me, Chris is creating a space of authenticity and, and freedom where guys can come and, say, hey, this, this, is a, this is a safe space. And I know you do that too with your program and, and the groups that you facilitate. That's imperative uh, because guys often feel like they're alone. But just behind that door is so much negative and intense, intense energy. And you can't keep all that in. You can't. It's going to seep out. And so it seeps out in the way you parent. It seeps out in the way you, you do marriage. And there, there's a bite to the voice or there's a, a complete negligence. Oh, I'm just more into golf these days. I just don't want to come home. I'm just busy with work. Mm. And there's a denial, a dismissal of all of this. And it, it doesn't take long, really. It doesn't take that long before either real physical things start to happen. The, the man's immune system starts shutting down and, and his body starts breaking down because it's storing all of that um, tension and pressure constantly in the background. Or, you know, the, the family unit starts to fracture and mm-hmm. things start to um, really go sideways. And, and the wife asks you know, very obvious and and understandable questions like, Hey, what's going on? Like you're different. What's what, like, what is happening? And and her mind can't put it together because she doesn't know all the pieces. And so that's what I see, you know, most, most often. Um, and the longer that you go without addressing it and stepping into the light, the more damage 
it's always a lie. It's always a lie that, that you think it's going to be better if you just push it down the road. It's always a lie. It's never true that that's the case. It's so much better when you just address it head on. And it's never easy. It's never easy to admit that, that you messed up, that you were wrong, that you hurt someone, you did something willingly that was bad. It's never easy. It takes courage to step into that. But the lie that most men want to believe um, is that if I just, just don't address this, maybe it will just go away. And it, it's, in fact, very much so the opposite. It will only get worse. And these things have cascading consequences, as you've said. So you do, you do something that makes you ashamed of yourself. You know, it, may, it makes you disappointed in yourself. And then when, as you hold that in, it, you said it affects can affect your mind, your body, your marriage, your parenting. And I think that is extremely important concept to understand because sometimes I think I talk about this in when I talk about marriage and other things I talk about if okay, if your spouse is really upset, or they see you as someone who's really upset, it might not always be the thing that they're upset about, it might be, you know, just maybe they don't like who they are as a person right now. Because, a lot, like, so for example, some guys who do our program, they say, okay, this is my time that I want to get my shit together. I'm going to start getting in shape. And that's not, not always going to line up with the same time your spouse wants to do it. You, know, you might inspire them to do it. Maybe they're far ahead of you. It doesn't matter. But sometimes whenever your spouse is acting different or they are shut down or you feel like they, they just flip out over something random, it's not that can't always be that thing that they're flipping out over. It could just be that maybe they don't like who they are right now. And I can relate that back to myself because I remember whenever I was not at my best, when I wasn't taking care of myself, when I did have vices I went to, I remember being emotional and irritated and upset at things, just small things that didn't make sense. And my wife and kids or whoever or coworkers might think, man, I need that Chris needs this to feel good or I need to act differently around Chris so that he can be happy or, you know, if I do this, if we go out to eat, then maybe we'll be happy right now. But really it was just I just wasn't happy with myself. I just didn't like who I was at that moment and the person I was being. And because of that, I wasn't being a good husband. I wasn't being a good father. And we always feel the best whenever we're working on ourselves, whenever we're building ourselves, and whenever we can look in the mirror at the end of the night and say, I like that guy. That's right. And I feel like for if you're listening to this and you need to make physical, you may need to make a physical transformation or any kind of transformation, it's really hard to do that until you can really look at yourself and say, I like the guy who's looking back at me. It's not always just bicep curl form. It's not always whatever, it's going to be hard to get yourself out of the bed in the morning and into the car and go to the gym in the snow if you don't feel like you're the kind of guy who deserves that love and attention. That's right. So I think what you're talking about is, is just that. It's healing this guilt and shame that's holding you down so that you can finally be free and move on with your life. Yeah. And what I found so so wonderfully put, Chris, and, and what I found that in my own in my own life and in everybody who I've worked with that um, reports being critical of their spouse, the the criticism that I would give to my wife early on 
in our marriage came from a inner frustration and inner criticism of myself that for a moment was deflected and yeah. I, a, a momentary pause, a, because I was able to focus on her shortcomings and what she said she was going to do that she didn't do. And I could send all of my anger and frustration and irritability towards her and spare myself a few minutes of punishment. And mm -hmm. anytime you find yourself being overly critical of other people, that is 100% unquestionably every single time due to unresolved criticism inside of yourself. And like you just said, there is a lack of self-esteem where you recognize you don't trust yourself. You're not keeping the promises you're making to yourself. And so there's an inner criticism that you have, an inner frustration, unresolved either disappointments or hopes or dreams or goals that you did not fulfill that have not been addressed. But just like when you get a new car and you start to see all of those cars out on the road, your, your brain works the same way with imperfections in other people. And if you are dismissing your own, then what's going to happen is you can start to look at and see all of the other imperfections in ways that other people aren't following through on what they say they're going to do. And you can all of a sudden become this righteous judge that just can see the world perfectly while completely dismissing any accountability on your own part. And so the whole, the whole thing about this, Chris, there's such a high, when somebody really gets serious about growth and change, there is such a high level of personal responsibility and accountability that takes place. There's no more blaming. There's no more victimizing. There's no more, Hey, it's, I'm here because of that person or because of this job or because my parents are, there's none of that. Those stories end. And you start to take on a deep personal responsibility of saying, look, everybody else got their own issues. My wife's got things she's working on. She's got her own goals and her own you know, habits or things she's trying to better in her life. That's good for her. That's awesome. But I can't for one second start to nitpick her if I'm not even having the courage, the wherewithal, the fortitude to go about my own demons in my own imperfections, in my own character defects. I, there's no place for that. But the cool part about it is when you start doing that work in yourself and really going after that personal responsibility that, okay, I'm actually going to follow through today, just today, because that's all we have. We don't have tomorrow. We don't have yesterday. The only thing I have is today. And that's what true sobriety is all about. It's being fully here on this call. There's nothing else that matters. There's nothing else that exists. By living in this present state, all of this other, like, frustration, resentment, animosity towards other people, you'll be amazed at how much it just evaporates because you start understanding that other people are going through it too. And a lot of people don't take the personal responsibility. They don't take the personal accountability. And that's not for me to decide for them. That's, that's everybody's own personal choice. But I am, at a, I am at a point in my life where I say, this is really important to me. And I'm, I'm gonna wake up and I'm gonna do my best with what I have. And everybody else can can go do them, that's fine. They're walking their own journey. And so that inner critic silences because you stop feeding it and you actually start working on it and you start forgiving in yourself and you start healing and actually following through with what you say you're going to do. So like you said, you actually like yourself. You actually like who you are. You don't want to be someone else. You don't want to have somebody else's life. You're proud of the person that you are. And in that place of healthy esteem, you can sit back in a relaxed, confident way because you're not in a defensive energy with 
anybody that says anything that is, you know, could be seen as offensive or a slight to you. Hey, you said you were going to pick this up. You didn't. Does that mean you don't respect me? Boy, you better watch where you step because you respect me. Like that's all of this stuff that comes out in us men has to do with our own insecurities that we haven't dealt with. Period. Well said. So is there hope? Is there hope for guys? Is life better on the other side of sharing the shame that plugs you up? <laughs> so emphatically, yes. I was talking to a client yesterday, and uh, as a woman actually, and, and she said, you, you give me so much hope because she's going through it right now. She's, she's mm -hmm. really going through it. And I was telling her, look, you, there, is, there is light at the end of the tunnel. And I'm not going to tell you that it's not going to be scary at times and that you're not going to know what's going to happen because you don't. And you and I both don't know. We, don't, we can't control anybody. We can control ourselves. And anyone, you're not in a position to tell anyone that they should master themselves if you have not mastered yourself first. And so to be on the other side of it, yes, like what one million percent. I know what living with shame feels like. I know what living with guilt chronic, I would say guilt feels like it is a, it's a thousand times better. And more than anything, it's how you were designed to live. You, humans weren't designed. Okay. I believe in a creator. I believe that something created you and I, and I believe that we were not created in the original design to have shame, to feel shame. And so with that, on the other side of walking in true integrity, not to say that I don't mess up, not to say that I don't have times where I just, I just blunder it with my wife or anybody in a relationship and I've got to go. I just sent a long text yesterday because I totally said I was going to do something for someone and I just honestly forgot. It's not an excuse. I forgot. I owned it and I made amends and I sought out forgiveness. But it's, it's just going to that place even just quicker. It creates a humility. It creates a freedom. I don't have to prove myself to anybody. I'm not on trial. People can think what they want. They can say what they want. I'm at peace with myself, Chris. And there's a mm. lot of life that I wasn't at peace with myself with. Like I'll honestly say I wasn't at peace. I was had the constant fear of what if people find out who I really am? And I, the, from the guys that I've talked to, that's one of the biggest things that, that, that plays in their mind. What if people were to really find out? What if people were to really know that I'm not the expert, that I don't have the track record, that I've made these mistakes? What if people were to really know? And when you make peace with that, however you see fit, I'm, I'm a huge faith guy. So I, I love the Bible. I love God. That is a huge part of my life. Whether it's AA, whether it's a group, whether it's a, a group like you provide, Chris, something where you can get this stuff off of your chest off of your shoulders and receive the lightness that you as a man or woman who is listening to this, you were designed to live in, to breathe deeply and fully. <sighs> Not looking over your shoulder, wondering if that thing is going to chase you down. That kept me up so many nights, Chris. What if somebody finds out? What if people find out? What if, what if, what if, what if? And that took all of my bandwidth from the impact I could have in other people's lives, whether it was business ventures or just friendships. That took so much of my resources. That keeping a secret and, and staying hidden myself, I was hiding myself. And I believe that we're in a time and an age in this year, 2023, where men, they're ready. They are. And I know you're seeing this because we've talked about it. They're stepping out. They're saying, hey, I'm, I'm ready to be free. I'm ready to let this stuff go. I'm really ready to do the work and to, you know, to bear it. And there will be consequences. You may, there may be consequences for, you know, the actions that you've, uh, that you've partaken in, whatever it is. But we, I mean, 
what are the options? Like you're going to either have consequences for hiding it or consequences for, you know, seeking healing and restoration. And I would much rather, you know, seek the second. Man, so many guys are shut down emotionally. And mm. I know just from so many guys I talk to and from guys in my own life, especially as you get older, I feel like as we get older, we shut down, we share less, we keep everything in and it just ruminates in our head. And we, because we're not sharing it and because we're not opening up, it just creates this stereotypical shut down middle-aged guy who doesn't like to talk to people, who isn't fun anymore, who then of course stops taking care of himself, starts, like I was at a, I was at a function, I won't say, I was at a, a function a couple weeks ago and there was this 60-some guy just sitting in the corner talking to himself. And I just said, man, that's such a stereotypical thing that doesn't need to happen that, that so many guys turn into because they ref they, all their focus and attention just comes inward yeah. and probably started with a problem they were ashamed about that they didn't want to share with anyone, thought they were the only one, and then just beat themselves up and stopped tapping into other guys. And that can happen, man. That like if you're listening to this and you've got something that's holding you back or or you just you never share anything like you have to to make real change you have to see the cascading consequences and as scary as that is that's a way you can change for me I make daily changes because I say well on my deathbed I don't want to look back on today and have regret mm -hmm. I'm not afraid to do that so like you have to say is going along the current trajectory of my life worth it like, if, do I want to be that shut down, miserable old guy whose grandkids don't even want to talk to him? Or do I want to be the open, sharing, warm, loving guy who everyone wants to talk to? I can't tell you, the guy, just from, join any men's group. It doesn't have to be ours. Join, or just start sharing with the people you know around you. Whenever guys share something they've been holding on to, they just open up. They open up. It's it's crazy. You can see it in their face immediately. It's like the muscles change. We had a guy last week. Um, he just can't. We in our program, we've got routines that we have to do, macros and workouts. We have to we have to do. He said, "Man, I'm just disappointed in myself because I let myself go. I went on a business trip. I felt like I deserved it. I ate like crap. I didn't do any of my morning routines. I slept in every day." He said, "I just feel like shit. Because I just feel like crap." And in the past, he would have kept all that to himself. He would have destroyed his identity, and then it would have been years before he tried anything in the cycle of motivation and complacency hit him again. But he shared it with us immediately the next day, and then he's, boom, he started posting again. He started working out again. He started because he, he got it all off his chest, and he opened himself up again. Like it's ditch the ego, ditch the tough guy routine, like just share it. That is, and then you can show your family how to do that too. Do you want to shut down kid? A shutdown father creates a shutdown kid. That's right. Man. Why do you think? Why do you think those middle-aged men, in your from your work, your perception? Why do you think they get that way? What causes that? I think they feel like they feel slighted. I feel like they feel slighted in some way that it comes from them not having the. It, it all goes back to them, I believe, this is my belief, that they wanted to make something of themselves and they wanted to go after life, go after their dreams, but they settled for a lesser version of themselves. They don't believe it's possible for themselves to, 
to take risks or to become this vision of themselves. So every day they're living with this regret and depression that they have of the person that they could become and that they are not right now. And whenever that hits you every single day, it begins to wear on you and you become kind of jaded, like a jaded person at a, at a profession who doesn't like the job they're at. Like you know you could do more, but you're settling. My personal belief, I think there's a lot of guys out there who are settling for their current state in life and they become miserable and they become people who accept their certain circumstances. It's like if you were Michael Jordan and you were playing for the NBA, you were playing in some like B league, but you knew how great you could be. I think there's a lot of guys who could be great, but settle for their current circumstances. But then the pain comes in because they realize the reason they can't get there is in, because inside right now they don't have what it takes to push themselves. They know that they're weak. They know that they're gonna fold and that they know that whenever it gets hard and they have to push through that resistance to get there, they're going to quit. And that makes them sad, scared, and depressed. Mm. And all of these things, I'm kind of like tapping into my own memories that I had. Like these are thoughts that I'm saying it clearly because I think these are thoughts that ran through my head. But also as I talk to hundreds of guys now, it's also a message I hear. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. Really good. What do you think? Some of the things you touched on, I think the biggest thing is disappointment. I think it's disappointment in people, disappointment in life circumstances. And, you know, all of all of life's frustrations come from missed expectations. And so when we have expectations about something and we don't we don't hit them or they don't happen the way we want them to, uh, that that generally breeds frustration. And so it's, you know, we as we start climbing as men and career and, and social status networking, there can oftentimes accompany it a, a greater sense of pressure. Oh, now I need to, now I need to do more. Now I need to keep up with these people. Now I need to, you know, and, and the weight gets more and more and more until it's just absolutely debilitating. And when I find that most men, the men that, um, are in that season, that state where they just are removed, they're, they don't talk to anybody. They're quiet. They're, they're middle-aged. You can tell they've lived a lot of life. The biggest thing that I would say I, I see in them is regret. Um, mm -hmm. There's a regret and there's a denial. So they're, they're not able to see themselves in, in the most accurate way, and they're not able to see their life the most accurate way. They're in denial about how certain things happened. Um, and so I would say it's a cocktail of disappointment, regret, and what was the third one I just said? Um, denial. Mm -hmm. and uh, yeah. yeah so if that's you if you're that guy if you're listening to it and you've, you've come to this realization that that is you what can a guy like that do say you're 55 years old you look you're in this situation where you're 55 years old your kids have moved on you're still working a job you don't want to be at and you're shut down emotionally and you're just not a pleasant person to be around what can that guy do today well, the first thing I would do is I would tell you just to, to do a quick little exercise and, and take your life on a, on the trajectory that it's headed right now and just extrapolate that trajectory for the next, let's just say, five years. If nothing changes in your life, nothing, the way you eat, the way you sleep, the way you talk about other people, the way you relate to your spouse, the way you relate to your kids, if nothing changes, where will you end up in five years? Now, if you're in that state that Chris just talked about, my guess is it's probably not going to be a very good state. It's not going to be 
good at all. Um, if, you know, even if you have a family, if you, I mean, th there's going to be some real problems. And so it's looking at that and saying, okay, that's the trajectory I'm on. And really in a way that's, you're, you're able to see what your current decisions are costing you. Cause that's really important for people to understand. What is it costing you? Sure, it's going to cost you something to change your life. It's going to cost you something to start developing discipline. It's going to cost you something to change your habits. But don't be fooled. It is absolutely costing you right now the way you're living. It's costing tremendously. And so what you can do right now, listen, if you're listening to this this podcast, myself and Chris, you have two resources where there are we are open about saying we are here to support and walk alongside men to help them get back into a state of authenticity, of, of genuinely living their life, not existing. And that starts with a conversation. But more than that, and prior to that, it, it starts with a willingness to be honest. Chris, every single person that I've ever helped walk through breakthrough had to get to a place of honesty. Mm -hmm. There's no more, there's no more facade. There's no more storytelling. Well, like, yeah, this is why it's that. No, I'm scared. It took me half an hour. I was on a call yesterday with another client. It took us half half of our call. He was telling me all these reasons why, 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 all, all, all of them for half an hour. I kept asking him, kept probing, and he said, James, I am scared. I am terrified. I said, now we can start our call. Thank you for being honest. And so it's being willing. Look at what's look at what your decisions have gotten you to right now, good or bad or the otherwise. Take responsibility. What you can do today is you can start living honestly. First with yourself. Where are you really at? How are you really doing? How are you really doing? Where are you? Where are you listening to this? And if it's not Chris, if it's not myself, get in touch, plug in, plug in to a group, an individual, and open up and allow yourself to face these things about your life. The disappointments, the frustrations, the mistakes, the, the sadness, the heartbreaks, the traumas. To do this in a constructive, healthy, wholesome way. That is paramount. It's needed and you can make, it's a decision. It's a decision. That's all it is. That's something concrete people can do. So if you're listening to this, take that advice and and run with it and use it also let's talk about more concrete things we can do i know for me personally i feel like garbage when i ditch my routines i feel mm -hmm. like garbage when i'm not making pro progress in my life and like the story of the guy i just told from our group who just came clean and said i didn't do any of my stuff you know i didn't do any of my routines so i feel like crap right now and I, on the call i said everyone listen this he just said it this is why he doesn't feel good right now because he let himself down. That's why he, he told himself he was the kind of guy who did these routines. He was the kind of guy who went to the gym, who stuck to a diet, who, who meditated, who woke up, who did all these things in the morning, and he didn't do it for five, six days, and now he doesn't feel good. He doesn't feel good not because of the physical act. He feels good because he, he thought he was a certain person, and then he didn't do it, so now he just, he's disappointed in himself. And these routines that... I have my guys do. I know you have great routines. Like they, it's amazing how whenever you miss them, how different you feel. Mm -hmm. Can you talk to me a little bit about some routines that you have in your life that you feel build you and benefit you? 
Yeah. So two of the biggest, two of the biggest things that I talk to people about straight out the gate is winning the morning and winning the evening. If you can bookend your day, um, with success, chances are the middle portion, you're giving yourself a higher percentage chance of having a, a winning day. If you start the morning with a win and you end with, you know, you win the evening and win the morning, winning the day sometimes can be overwhelming. So if you win the morning, you win the evening, that's awesome. So winning the morning for me, first, I don't have my phone in my bedroom. My phone's never coming. It doesn't come in there. It hasn't come in there for years. I keep it out. does not come into the bed. doesn't infiltrate any of my wife and I's, you know, intimate time. That's out. It's a sacred space. So because of that, I don't wake up with my phone. I'm not instantly getting a dopamine hit from looking at an email or an Instagram notification. That is time that I choose when I engage with that. So I wake up at, at the appointed time and for me, I come out to my breathing room here and I, I read and I pray. I win my morning. I start slow. I start meditating. I start allowing my conscious mind to wake up. And I'm not grabbing this. Not grabbing this. As tempting as it is to, I got messages to get back to. I've got clients I got to talk to. As tempting as it is. I win my morning. So I, I get up, I start with prayer, I start with writing, I move my body, as you said, I go and I move my body. Even if I'm groggy, get that dross off of your eyes, get it, get it going, get the engines firing. From that point, I put some healthy food in my body. This is not really rocket science at all, Chris. Some people talk about, oh, geez, you're seeing all these things on Instagram now, these gurus that are talking about these crazy biohacks that they're doing. Um, it's a very simple process. The thing is, if it's complicated, you won't do it. And so it's got to be simple. It's got to be thoughtless. So those are things that I, I do. I wake up. I read. I read. I don't listen to Audible. I read. I pray. I journal. I go move my body. I get an exercise in. I push hard. I get home and I have, I have clean food. That starts my day where I've already, I've primed everything in my body to say, you're alive, you're alert, you're dominant, you're calm, you're confident. Let's go. Now I can go. Now I check my phone. I don't check my phone for the first hour of the day. I do not get on this for the first hour of the day, every day. Then I went to win my evening, I turn my phone off. Phone doesn't come in the bedroom, stays out, turn it off. I know that this, there's things, look, things can always be done. I don't do them. Turn it off. I put it, plug it up to the wall. It's done. And I'll read some more, usually a different book. I'll spend time with my kids. I'll spend time with my wife. I'll debrief on how her day was. I'll check in and, and cultivate and nurture our friendship um, with her. I'll make some notes um, in, a, in a notebook. What were some good things that took place today? What were three wins? What were three things I learned? And what were three things I would like to improve on tomorrow? And it's just, a, you're just taking checks. You're just, you're just logging what took place. And when I bookend my day, as simple as that, Simple as that. I can't tell you, Chris, how much more consistently better my days are when they mm -hmm. start and the end and they end like that. Because if you go to bed and you're shoving ice cream in your mouth and you're you're watching eight episodes of your favorite show, yep. what you're doing is you're robbing your tomorrow. Mm. You're taking away from your tomorrow by doing that. And so when you can start your morning and you can end your day and say, I'm going to win the morning and I'm going to win the evening, you're already taking care of so much stuff because you're, all, you're, you're going to be a better dad when you do that. You're going to be a better husband. You're going to show up better in your business or place of work when you, you get primed and you're ready to go. And I see your posts, Chris, you guys are up early in the morning working out and I love it. 
because you're 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 being uncompromised and and you're being unapologetic in it. So that for me are are very simple but practical ways that I um, make routines and structures in my day that I do that where, no matter where I am, where mm-hmm. I win my morning and I win my evening. Um, non negotiables for me. Yeah, I, I, th- I f- for some reason this comes back to perfectionism for me in terms of guys who think it's more complicated than them. Yeah. Because a lot of times whenever I'll be talking to a guy who was interested in my program or, or interested in starting something, they'll, they will look two years down the road and say, well, I can't start that because t- I can't start that thing today because two years down the road, this might happen. And <laughs> it's just like it's fear. And for some reason, whenever they th- this is like relating back to these routines, because guys think that, well, I'm. I can't start on this journey of self-progress because it's. I need to do these hundred things, and I need to, you know, I need to ground myself. I need to have an ice bath. I need to meditate for ten minutes, and I need to journal. It's like, no, all you have to do is just honestly for the next two weeks choose one thing, mm-hmm. and for me, I would say just pick a pick a wake-up time and hit it, and that's it. That's right. And it's amazing how simple, as you said, and how simple it can be. For you to change your life just by doing some simple routines, it doesn't have to be crazy. For and if and if you if you are if you are that guy, I used to be that guy who was watching Netflix right before bed, eating like shit, and waking, sleeping in, going to work sloppily. Like I know, in the moment you feel like that is the better option, but yeah. you're choosing temporary physical pleasure over long-term peace and fulfillment and you but you know it's true deep down it's just hard to get yourself to do it like yeah man just find some simple routines and stick to it we actually just did this for our two kids because i stay home my wife goes to work she takes our both of our kids go to the same school she goes to so the time before they leave has been a little chaotic recently because my son um, he's not the most right now, not the most organized child. My daughter is, so he's a little bit later getting into the car because, you know, one shoe's upstairs, the other one's downstairs. He's wearing his pants backwards, so we, all the you know, nine-year-old boy stuff. So we're trying to make this process smoother, but also good, so that we don't ruin anything. So we said, well, yeah. how can we do this? Well, it's like, well, let's just give them routines. Like we have routines to build ourselves. Let's give our kids routines. So my wife laminated these little charts, and we're going to pay them. We're going to bribe them. But for each week, you know, they have like five or six little steps that say just like brush your teeth, get changed, those kind of things, that they check all this stuff off. They get like a dollar or something. And my son is yeah. going to spend that money on Fortnite skins. But they were so pumped this morning to get all those check marks done, and they felt good. Nathan actually combed his hair. He was dressed, and he felt good about himself because he did the routine. It doesn't have to be complicated. That's right. And and what you're doing in that is you're building a self-esteem because when you follow a routine and you set a goal, even if it's as simple as I'm going to wake up at six and you hit that, you're in a very subtle way affirming to yourself, I can trust myself. I can trust myself. Yeah. I can trust myself. And then that creates a more leaning on your intuition and a greater sense of trust within yourself. Most people don't trust themselves because they haven't kept their word to themselves. It's as simple mm-hmm. as that. So pick a time that you're going to wake up and stick to it and, and start believing yourself, start trusting yourself. 
it's an amazing thing what, what will happen, like you said, um, and the ripple effects that you doing that with your kids is going to have. That's really awesome. And now our job, my job is to make sure that we're consistent at that. So that has to be part of my routine is checking on his routine. What you just sure. said about trusting yourself, that's what the routines are. And whenever we lie to ourselves consistently over and over again, that is the thing that holds us back, keeps us stuck, and help makes us self-sabotage. Whenever we, like, oh, today's the day I'll get up and work out, you don't do it. And then that happens 300 times in a row. You don't yeah. know what to believe. You don't know what to. You don't know what you're going to do. And you say, "Hey, yeah, maybe I'll start that business." No, you won't. You can't even wake up in the morning. And that right. voice that's talking to yourself is that voice who's learned that you don't keep your word to yourself. Yeah. You can change that voice, but you have to prove to yourself that you can trust yourself. Mm-hmm. Just by doing small things over and over, like these routines. Yeah. Awesome, man. Amazing. So anyone can listen to this podcast and completely change their life. Thank you so much, James, for being flexible and willing to do this again and battling yeah. resistance in the middle of the call. That's right. That's right. Well, Chris, thanks for having me on. Where should people find you? Where do you want them to go and plug anything you want? Uh, so you can go to um, my Instagram to where I hang out a lot. Uh, so you can send me a message, interact with any of the videos. I'll, I'll see them and... Um, get back with you there, or you can go to jamesmcleod.org. Um, the last name is spelled M-C-L-E-O-D. And that's my coaching and consulting website where you can just read more about myself and my experience, what my history has been. Um, and you can also set up a free 20-minute call where um, we can get on and we can sort through whatever it is you're looking to sort through and see if we would be a good fit working together or not. So those would be the two best places to find me. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right, everyone, please um, reach out to James. He's an awesome guy. Follow him. Subscribe to the Rising Father podcast if you haven't already. And we'll see you.